Hello, welcome to the Edge Church broadcast. I'm Pastor Gray. It is such an honor to be able to come to you this way with the Word of God. And as you've been following us on on these uh, sermon topics, the uh, seven letters that Jesus has written to the church, I hope that you have prepared yourself to take notes. Um, as you can tell that many of our teachings are word by word teaching or maybe sometimes sentence by sentence teaching. And so for Jesus says that it is the truth that sets you free. And so it is the reason why that we're taking our time as we begin to unfold these beautiful letters that Jesus has written to these seven churches. Um, before we get started the broadcast, we would love to pray for you. Myself, our team, we're here, we're standing by. So even in the broadcast, you can send us your prayer requests and let us pray for you. Let us intercede for you. Um, so let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for this broadcast. I thank you for those who are watching us, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that every hearing ear and every seeing eye, Lord God, will receive their due reward, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for being master, master, Lord God, over our lives, Lord God. For you, the one that hold all the keys and you unlock that no man can shut. You shut doors that no man can open. And Lord, we thank you for setting before us, the church, an open door. We give you all the praise and all the glory tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Let every church, let the church say amen. Amen. All right, so we got a live audience here. To, so I'm going to have fun. And so uh, you may hear some extra voices uh, coming through. But that way is to where that my passion can come out a little bit more. Uh, just having a little bit of interaction. So tonight, as we talked about, we're opening up the letter to the church that is in Philadelphia tonight. And what Jesus had to say to this church and all the letters, if you miss any part of this teaching i want you to go back and you can find it on our uh, youtube page and you can go back and watch every letter that we unfolded we're we're opening up the sixth letter tonight and what jesus tells this church is so amazing and i know it will bless you so i hope that you're taking notes tonight because i believe that there's a prophetic word for you and there's a prophetic word for your family but also i believe that the word of god is going to unlock you so that you can take off and uh, 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 go and go into places that God has called you to. And so I want to start reading. We in Revelation chapter three, verse seven tonight, and I'm going to read through and then we're going to come back to the text. And it says in verse seven in chapter three of Revelation, it says, and the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? The words of the holy one, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, um, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, but yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that there are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world 
to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Before I get started. You know, you may say, but these letters were written back then. Well, there's a threefold application. The first application is a local application. Uh, it's a local application, meaning that this letter was written not only to the church in Philadelphia, but uh, even the other churches can glean from what the Lord spoke to this particular church. So it can be local. Uh, secondly, it can be very prophetic. Uh, though that it was for the churches in that day and time, we can still learn from those things and we can still glean from it. And it is also a individual letter. So it can be something individual that is um, God is showing us through these letters um, what churches fell at and what individuals fell at. And so it's almost like a, um, a cheat sheet or blueprint in the things that we should do. So this is why that these letters are so prophetic. And what I love about this is that these letters really reveal after we've went over these churches, you know, we can see these things in operation in the churches of today. And this is why that I believe that these are prophetic letters, not just for that day and time, but also for our day and time. Even now, I want to just start in verse seven tonight. And it's just a recap. And uh, and the Bible says, and to the angel and that word in the Greek is angelos, which means a messenger. Uh, someone, it can mean a dignitary, it can mean um, a delegate, but it can also mean an angel itself. But in this term, it speaks of a pastor. And when you put all the definitions together or, or all the meanings together, it describes the role of a pastor. And so Jesus is writing to the pastor of the church that is in Philadelphia. And what I love about this is that how God uses divine order. You know, when God speaks to a body, you know, he speaks to the one that oversees that work. And when he oversees that work, it is up to that pastor to uh, take that word that he hears from heaven, hears from God, uh, meditate on that word, get everything that he can get out of that word and release it on the body because it's not his word. It's the word of the Lord for the church. And so here we see that this letter is written to the pastor of the church. And that word church, we understand that that word church in the Greek is ekklesia. It means a called out group of believers. And what I love about this is that this term is a secular term that the church uh, picked up. And what I mean by that is that uh, in Greece, they used to have what they called the ekklesia. To that this government body, they were chosen people, called out people that were selected to be part of part of the ecclesia and this group they will make laws and they will bring judgment upon the land so these were very powerful influential people and but when the church came and when peter had this revelation of who christ is you know it is there where we see the text where christ says that upon this rock i will build my ecclesia in other words i will build my governmental body 
here on this revelation here on earth so what christ did is that all of us who are called by his grace have called into the work of christ we are a, a called out group that makes up his ecclesia his church and in his church he gives his church power dominion authority to shift cities and states and regions it is it is what the church come together and believe in that's what happens that's the power of the church and so i want to encourage you uh maybe you don't attend our church at the edge in gonzalez louisiana but you attend another body i encourage you to be faithful to that body and know that once that you commit to that body everything will try to come against you to try to separate you from that body because the enemy know that when the church come together that that church have power and influence and it can pull down strongholds and it says in the next term and it says that this church is located in philadelphia and what i love about this is that the word philadelphia in the greek mean brotherly love it's a compound word uh philly meaning love and the word daphia literally means uh brotherly and so you put these two together, it's brotherly love. And that's where this name come from. Um, after doing much research, I would love to say that this name brotherly love came because the church was there. Well, this name came there. It was before the church was planted. It was of a king who lost his brother who he loved so, so dearly. And he built this city and named it. And he called it Philadelphia, meaning brotherly love, because he loved his brother so much. Also in the city of Philadelphia um, many people try to live there but every time when they build their homes their businesses this city is known for earthquakes and so it will destroy uh, everything that they built and so after many earthquakes and many times they try to build back their lives their business their homes many people just decided to live outside of the city so living outside of the city when that happened here's the church of Philadelphia it is birth and this church have power it is the only church that that uh has no rebuke to them like jesus loved their work and so i just want to read to you uh why jesus wrote this letter to the church and why he describes himself the way that he described himself to this church this is very powerful here he says in verse one the words of the holy one the true one who has the key of david who opens and no one will shut who shuts and no one will open i'm gonna just read from my notes here what i've written here the words of the holy one what is he saying he is saying that he who is holy he said i am god in first john chapter 3 verse 5 it says you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin he said, I'm the Holy One. This is, this is how he describes himself in this letter, how he revealed himself to the pastor of this church. He says, I am the Holy One. In other words, I am he. There's no sin in me. And the next point he says, oh, and then uh, Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, it says, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you nor is there any rock like our god and the next point it says these are the words of the true one now what i love about this in john 14 6 it says jesus said to him i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so what is the difference between the holy one and the true one 
And the Holy One is simply saying that Christ is right or righteous in character. And the Holy One and the true one literally means that he is righteous in conduct. So Holy One that he's righteous in character and he's the true one. He is righteous in conduct. In other words, everything that he does. And this is why he says that I am the Holy One and I am the true one. He's saying this to this church for a reason because this church is going through something. They have been granted an open door. And that open door, what, what we're fixing to talk about in a minute, they have been operating their ministry and they see this open door. But even with this open door, they have little strength left. And I want to speak to you prophetically and just say that though you may feel like you have little strength and you barely holding on, this is the condition of this church. They have little strength, but they have an open door. Now, what do I mean by an open door? An open door is a door of opportunity. So when Jesus began to talk about an open door, there's a door of opportunity. Here in this city of Gonzales, what God has given us an open door, where we can have a church here, to where we can preach the gospel here. It is an open door. God has opened his door and no man can shut it. As long as we stay faithful and we stay in the will of God, this door will not shut. I like when people say that, well, they've taken prayer out of the school. This is why things are happening this way. No, there is an open door. Just because prayer is taken out of school does not mean the door has closed. God says that I open doors that no man can shut. Man can make rules and laws and say what they don't want in their institutions. But let me encourage you by saying that there are still Christian teachers. There's still Christian students. There's still Christian janitors. There's still Christian people that cut the grass. We still have disciples in those institutions that is bearing the witness and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The door is still open. And this is what Christ has given the church of Philadelphia. He has given them an open door. Now, Philadelphia is located at the bottom of Asia. So they have given the opportunity into other countries to what that what they have. They have the liberty to go through that open door into other countries and preach the gospel. I know God has opened up Central and South America for us. And I know just in the last few months, we've seen a great major door open up for us and nobody but God can do this let me just minister to you just for a little bit about an open door because sometimes we never know that we have an open door and we pray and we say God open this door God um, give me favor to do this or God I pray that my season change so that things can get easier you in Revelation 1 John says I was in I was in the Lord's day when he was caught up in a vision what is powerful about this is that that greek word simply means that he wasn't praying he wasn't worshiping god it literally means that he was there in that cave on the island of patmos and instantly he was in the spirit he was instantly in the spirit and now jesus reveals the seven churches, which are the seven candlesticks. He revealed the seven stars that he hold in his right hand, which represent the seven pastors of the seven churches. But in Revelation 4, something amazing happened. As he began to see and receive these letters, these seven letters to the churches, Revelation 4, 1, something else happened. He says, as I looked, 
there was an open door in heaven. How powerful is this? Let me encourage you and tell you right there where you are. There may be an open door, but you need to look again in the season where you at. Don't get frustrated, but look again. When Moses walked by the burning bush, he walked by and he saw it burning. But something told him to take a, uh, take a deeper look. Look at it again. And I want you to look at where you at again. Because I want to encourage you and say that there is an open door right there. This door is open. When Christ opened doors, no man can shut. If you are favored of the Lord and you believe that Christ has put you in a place where you at, then I want to encourage you to do not get faint hearted, but look for that open door. He is there is an open door for your life. Now, let's move on for that. Now, he said that I hold the keys of David. This is very powerful here in verse one. And we're going to move on here because I want to highlight patient endurance. And uh, this is what we're going to land at uh, is in patient endurance because this was this is going to bless you. But he said, I hold the key of David. In other words, when Christ, he holds all the keys. Only Christ can open up that door. He can open up any door that you need to be open. He holds the keys. He has the keys of Hades. He has the keys to the abyss. He has the key to the house of David. He holds all the keys. And so when we ask in God to open up doors, God, may I have favor. I want you to talk to the one, pray to the one who holds all the keys and say, God, only you can open this door. And God, only you can keep this door closed. He holds the keys and he's telling this church, I am the one who holds the keys and I have given you or set before you an open door. For those of you that are pastor in a church, sometime that those moments can be tough. It can be hard. But I know that God brings us into a city to be a lighthouse in that city. And God has set before you an open door. Believe that God has given you an open door. He set you in the city and in the place where you at. Not for you to fail, but for you to succeed. For you to shine light in that city. You are the ecclesia. And this church in Philadelphia, we read that they have little strength left. Why do they have little strength left? Let's read. In verse 8, it says, I know your works. This word know literally means that God perceives. It literally means that God has walked inside of the church. God knows your personal life. I know, I perceive. In other words, God said that I am a eyewitness. I know your works. This is a very powerful word. Whatever that you do in life, God knows exactly what you are what you have dedicated to him. He's watching you. He know your works. He know where you work at. He know what you do in the church. He know where you serve at. He know your works. He said, I've personally put my eyes on you. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of a synagogue of Satan 
who say that there are Jews and are not but a lie. This is why that the church lost power. They lost power because the Jewish people were coming against them. As they begin to preach the gospel, just like men, you, when you stand up for your Christian faith and you just feel like you've been hit from all over. Have you ever had someone in the church or just another Christian just had something against you or maybe just speaking lies out against you or just making life rough for you? This is what the Jews were doing to the church in Philadelphia. They were making life miserable for them. They were saying the reason why everything is happening is because this church they brought a curse on this city and they was making it rough for them. And they had a little strength. But the Lord says, but you have kept my word in all that they did at all the attacks that they went through. They kept the word. What about you when you go through trials in your life? Tribulation. When things try you. When you're standing on God's word and you believe in him for the promise. And all of a sudden it looked like that promise is moving farther away from you. Are you still holding on to the word of God? Notice how that promise try to try to get out of your hand. How faith tries to leave you. Try to uh, uh, how doubt try to replace faith. And this is what Jesus is saying. He said that, no, I know you've been tried. But you have kept my word. You have held on to it. And I want to encourage you to say, hold on to the word of God, because everything in life will try to steal the word of God away from you. It'll try to steal the promises of God away from you. I want to encourage you, do not throw in the towel. Stay in there. And what Christ is saying, you need patient endurance. Patient endurance is a virtue that all the writers or all our forefathers in in Hebrews 11 had. Abraham had patient endurance. Uh, Adam showed patient endurance. David showed this. All the heroes in faith had patient endurance. They needed that. Amen. Um, All right. So behold, I will make those of a synagogue of Satan who say that they're Jews, but they are not. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before them. Now he is saying that they're coming against them and saying that they're uh, serving a false god. And he said that, but I will show them that I really love you and that I am with you. I will cause them to humble themselves before you and know that I am the true God who you serve. Uh, Look at verse 10. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial. Now, this is what we're getting into tonight. Patient endurance. You have kept patient endurance. What is that word? I'm glad you asked. This word in the Greek Greek is hupomoni. Hupomoni. Sound like a name. It is a name or it's a word. Hupomoni. And this word literally means to bear up under. All the people of faith. You will see this word patience. You will see this word endurance. You will see this all throughout the New Testament. Because this is what Christ saying. He said that you need a hupomoni. You need to bear up under this load. Do not allow this load to to feel like it's so overwhelming to where you want to drop it. One of our prayer warriors here tonight is a bodybuilder. and, And so she know about 
strength conditioning and and how to push yourself to the limit. And so what this word means is that it gives a military sense. And what Christ is saying here, and this word is used in the Greek, and what it means is that you need to bear up under the load. In other words, you need to put your feet in the ground. You are on a battlefield. And what God has promised you, it will come to pass. He is saying, hupomo me. You need patient endurance in this fight, in this walk until I come and get you in glory. Until the promise come. You need to bear up under it. Under it. You need to get back up under it. Bear this load. And I need you to hold your ground. This is what Christ said. And I feel like if I can say this, that he's a coach and he's saying, you need to bear up under this. You need to hold this line. Have you ever saw the movie Facing, Facing the Giants? And when he told them to hold the line. And this is a powerful movie. And they held that line. And the other team could not cross that line. This is what that word means. It means to hold your ground. Hupomoni. Hold your ground. Bear up under this load. Do not give in. When anxieties and fear try to come in, when doubt and unbelief try to entertain your thoughts, you got to cast that down. You got to bear hold of faith and you got to get back on the faith. You got to get back under that word that God promised you. And you got to hold your ground because everything is trying to take that word away from you. It's trying to steal faith from you. It's trying to make you think it will not happen. Hupomoni. Patient endurance. Get back under that word. Get back under that promise. Grab hold of it tight and do not let go. In other words, what Christ is saying, do not lose ground. What that means, you got to plant your foot. It's almost like tug of war. He said, I'm not asking you to conquer another mountain. Because sometimes we think that we got to conquer mountains. All what Christ saying, what this word literally means, patient endurance. Is hold your ground. Do not give in. I'm not asking you to advance forward. I'm asking you in this moment of warfare. Hupomoni. Bear up under it. Uh, stick your feet into the ground and get up under this load and hold your ground and don't let go. Don't give in. I don't know about you. I know many times that. I've been in places to where that faith tried to leave me. And one of those times I shared this story before was we just started pastoring and we started off in a little small storefront. And, you know, every pastor just want to win their city. And still today we claim our city for Jesus. You know, we claim this city for Jesus. And so I was claiming a city and, and I just had faith, you know, and, I had faith to uh, um, to uh, look at a bigger building. I'm like, God, I want to own a building. And God, I want to use it for your glory. So we found a building, talked to the owner. Matter of fact, it seemed like it was God's design all the way. I met the owner of the building. Man, by the time I told him that, you know, that we want to plant a church in this building, because we believe that God has given us this city. When I got finished talking to that man, he didn't want no paperwork, handed me the keys. He said, I, man, look, we can work out the details later. I'm going to give you the keys. 
just do whatever you got to do in it. And so, man, we started moving in, and uh, it was great. So we had a 10-year commitment. Long story short, this, this guy filed for bankruptcy. The lawyer saw that building. We had a lot of, uh, we were paying a lot of money a month trying to pay this building off in 10 years. And they came after that building. And I'll never forget we was in January in, a, in our corporate fast. And in that fast, uh, I was praying and seeking God because I got a letter or I got a phone call from this lawyer said, hey, you in my building. I said, excuse me, who is this? He said, this is lawyer so-and-so. Uh, if you want that building, he charged me twice the amount of what we was purchasing that building for. And he said, you got 24 hours to make up your mind or you need to get out of my building. And I'm thinking, I'm like, where am I going to send my people at? All my people, I don't want them to be dispersed. We have nowhere to go. I called him the next day and I said, can I meet with you? He said, sure. So I met with him and he said, these are the conditions. I need you to pay this amount. I said, sir, do you realize it's doubled the amount? And he said, I understand it, but this is what I want you to pay. But let me tell you what gave me the faith and the confidence to let go and trust God. For the whole 21 days of fasting, I was watching facing the giants. I realized that it has been a while since I believed God for something in faith. And I found myself facing a giant. This big company wanted to come and take our church. And I found a prophetic word on the 21st day. A guy came to our church and he said these words by the name of Prophet Mark Poo. He said, whatever you do, do not give in. Do not surrender. My cell phone is going off. Do not surrender, do not give up, and do not settle. And he said, settle seven times. Do not settle, do not settle. And I found it on the day that I met that lawyer. And when he told me that, I said, sir, you can have your building. He said that, uh, I said, sir, you can have your building. He said, yep, I need you out in 24 hours. I said, done. We called the crew and moved out. And little behold, the building that we drove up first to in this city, me and my wife laughed when we pulled up in this parking lot. I said, it's too big for us. Little bit that we know four years later, five years later, that God would bring us right back to this building. The same building we said was too big for us. God had a plan. I had to get up on the faith, hold on to it, and not give in. My faith was shaken. But I want to encourage you that is watching, watching this broadcast Maybe you feel like that you have little strength left, just like the church in Philadelphia, having little strength. I want to encourage you with this word, patient endurance. Hupomoni. You need to get up under faith. Grab hold of that promise that God has given you. And don't lose ground. He's not asking you to push forward. He's not asking you to conquer another mountain. But what he is saying, do not give up ground. I gave you that ground. I gave you that territory. I need you to hold fast. Hold on to it. And I want to close with this. Look at verse 11. He says, I am coming soon. Hold fast. What you have. So that no one may seize your crown. This is so powerful. Hold fast. This is kata echo, meaning that you need to tie 
tie down everything that you're doing. You need to stay faithful. Hupomoni. You need to get back up under the promise. You need to hold it fast. Kataeko. Tie it down and do not let go because people and things is trying to steal your crown. Do not forfeit your crown. And let me tell you, I want to encourage you because many things will try to come your way. Many things will try to take your crown from you. And this is the letter that Jesus is writing to the church in Philadelphia. He has no rebuke for them. But he know that they have little strength. And he is saying, hold fast to what you have. Hold fast so that others will not steal your crown. This is powerful. Are you telling me that there are people assigned? That will try to steal my reward? That will try to get me to entertain other things? That will try to make me believe that God is not going to bless me? That God is and the things that I'm believing for is too big? He said, do not let them steal your crown. Hold fast. Hold fast. Tie it down. Kata echo. Tie it down and hold on to what you have. So that no one will steal your crown. I don't know if you, if I'm talking fast and you're hearing slow. So that no one can steal your crown. Hmm. That means that there are people assigned to steal your reward. You got to hold on to the promises of God. And though it may seem impossible, Sarah, in her old age, she laughed. When she heard that she would bear a child a year later, she laughed. But it happened. The Bible said that Abraham was considered righteous because he believed. Whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you with patient endurance. All the heroes in faith, you read their story, they had patient endurance. Patience and endurance to receive the promise. Wasn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged because we all need that when time seems and feels rough. We need patient endurance. When it looked like it's never gonna come to pass. When it looked like I'm being overlooked, I'm being overshadowed. It looked like, God, I'm stuck in this season. I, I'm never going to get out. God, why would you ever want to bless me? Why would these great things will ever happen to me? That's the enemy trying to steal your promise. Notice that this church had a little bit of strength left. They've been going at it. They've been, they've been encountering warfare, but they held on to the word of God. And I ask you, are you holding on to the word of God? Hold on to it tight. And don't let anyone steal your crown. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question before we close. Have you ever felt like you wanted to stop running the race? Like stop going in one direction? You just felt like giving up. Who told you to, ru to run that way anyway? Even in marriages. They find love. They fall in love. And years later, they say that they have nothing in common. What happened? They let go of the promise. They let it go. 
And the enemy stole that covenant from them. And it can happen in many ways through unfaithfulness. It can happen with bitterness. It can happen many ways. But there comes a point where we feel like we have little strength left. Like, God, I've been praying. I've been believing. I've been trying. And it seemed like nothing is working. This is what that word means. Though you have a little strength, you held on to my word. So I encourage you as we close, hold on to the word of God. Get back up under the promise of God and do not let go. Though the load is heavy, stand firm. God will give you might to endure, to hold it. And that's what that word patient endurance means. He will give you the endurance to hold that load until it's time. Amen. We love you and we're praying for you. Send us your prayer request. We love to pray for you. Um, if you're in the area, join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We've been having an amazing time in the presence of the Lord. Uh, if you do not live in our area, you can watch us on YouTube or Facebook live. Uh, these services are power-packed. God is speaking to us. I believe that God has given us an assignment for our season. And so we just want to be a blessing to you. Please send us your prayer request so that we can pray for you. We love you. We'll see you next time at the Edge Broadcast. Amen.